Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. And verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Amen. When Pentecost was fully come. Why don't you find three or four people, give them a high five or shake their hand, say something nice to them. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It was when the day was fully come. That's when it happened. That's when they were in one accord and in one place. The day of Pentecost which is the second of the three great Jewish feasts, Passover being the first and the third being the Feast of Tabernacles. Pentecost is the Greek name of the feast, meaning 50th. It was kept on the 50th day after the Passover or Sabbath. In the law, it is called the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of thy labors. And for from being seven weeks after the Passover, it is named oftentimes the Feast of Weeks. The offering of this feast was the two first loaves of bread that had been baked from the very first portion of the wheat harvest of the year. So the offering, as all feasts had certain offerings connected to them, the offering of this Pentecost was the completed product. It was the bread out of the oven. Two of the very first loaves made from the very first fruits of the harvest. Some refer to the phrase fully come that we read in Acts chapter 2 to mean the completion of the weeks between Passover and Pentecost. They would see the whole time frame as a singular event, Pentecost being a celebration of completion. Oh, hallelujah. Weeks earlier, we would have seen them celebrating the Passover. Barley was the first grain crop to ripen in the spring in Canaan and in Egypt, and the Hebrew month Abib, which literally means green ears, has direct reference to the ripening of the barley in that month. And they took the first fruits of the barley harvest, and they would take it in their hand, the very first 
bit of barley that they would harvest with their hands. And they would take it and they would wave it unto the Lord. It was a wave offering. It literally was waved in the air before the Lord. It was waved towards the altar, and then it was waved back again towards them. It was symbolizing giving it to God and receiving it back from God again. How many know there's something powerful when you put the first things in God's hands and then let him give it back to you? And so the wave offering was not just a haphazard wave, but it was waved in the direction of the altar, the place of sacrifice. And then it was waved back in their direction again with very powerful symbolic meaning. This was how they told God and everyone else that may have been watching them that God was first in their lives. This is how they symbolically showed their neighborhood. This is the impression that they would make on their friends and family, co-workers in the field, if you were. They would make sure that they grabbed that first handful of the barley and raise it high in the air and wave it towards the altar. And when they did that, anyone who's seen them would not laugh, would not mock, would not scoff, but they would know for an surety uh, that that person uh, loves the Lord. Uh, that person uh, is dedicated to the Lord. Uh, that person has got God first in their lives and I wonder tonight is there any Pentecostals in the house that have determined in your life that God comes first God comes first the sustenance that they needed from their crop was secondary to their worship amen this was their Food. This was their livelihood. This was their absolute nourishment for their bodies. They needed this to survive. They needed this to feed their family. They needed this so their kids wouldn't have hungry bellies when they laid down at night. They needed every ounce of that food that they could get. But before they would break one sheaf, before they would begin to separate anything, amen, at all from the chaff, before anything would be mixed in a bowl or placed in an oven before anybody would put food to their lips they would raise it up in the air and they would declare God this came from you it belongs to you and we're thankful for it and we want you to know that you are the priority of our lives even before our own sustenance at the feast of Pentecost these weeks later now they would take of that now completed grain harvest and they would bake two loaves of bread with it and they would take those first two loaves of bread out. <laughs> How many know it might be a little harder to take that warm, soft bread straight out of the oven? I hope everybody got plenty of eat this afternoon. I mean, it's one thing to break off the barley that's just freshly grown and wave it in the air. 
But it's another thing to take that fresh baked bread out of the oven. And before you break it, before you take a knife to it, before you had any butter or apple butter, before you shove any of that down your gullet, you walk outside of your home or away from your cook area and you lift these now completed loaves of bread, amen, representing the completion of what God has blessed you with. And you want to declare again by waving it towards the altar and waving it back unto you that God, you are more important than this and you are the priority of my life and everything that I have and everything I'm gonna put into my home or put into my body, it's gonna go by the altar first oh hallelujah amen it's going to be put on the altar first and then Lord if you deem it to be so would you give it back unto us because every good and perfect gift cometh down from the father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning I need to know God that you are involved in everything happening in my life so they take the bread the finished product That to which they have invested, now hear me, they have invested of their own time and energy. They would have planted the crop, of course, but God was necessary to make it grow. For all that they could do, they couldn't make the rain to fall or the sun to shine. They could till up the ground and they could put the seed in the ground. And they could pull the weeds and remove the stones and try to keep the birds at bay. But they couldn't make the rain to fall. And they couldn't make the sun to shine. And they couldn't cause the earth, amen, to do its thing that God created it to do upon that seed as it does its thing that God created it to do. And so they had a a complete reliance upon God for a successful harvest. And then once it grew, they harvested it. And they broke it down. And they mixed it together with all of the other necessary ingredients. And they baked it to create something that... That was edible and nutritious for them to eat. Pentecost was fully come when the bread was waved in worship to the Lord. It was a completion of a product that involved God and man working together. Oh, hallelujah. It was the completion It was the outcome. It was the totality of the process that involved God doing what God can do and man doing what man can do. And we saw it again here this morning as Christina, I don't know if you noticed it, but the moment I opened up the altar, she almost ran from her seat, walked right up to the front and threw her arms in the air and she started praying with everything that she had inside of you. And I'm going to tell you, at first she was sweating. At first she was just kind of 
just kind of really going after it in a physical form. But I talked to her after church, uh, and I said, but did you notice uh, when that something broke, uh, and all of a sudden she started to weep and started to cry? And she said, yeah, I got to tell you, I was fighting it for a little bit there, but then something happened inside of me. And when that took place, uh, when God was doing what God can do, uh, and man was doing what man could do, uh, oh, hallelujah, then the fire fell, and the Spirit came, and she started speaking in other tongues uh, as the Spirit gives the utterance. Why? Because Pentecost uh, is about the totality of me doing everything in my power that I can do uh, to get connected to Jesus, and then my God taking over from there. Oh, if you need the Lord in your life, I wish you'd clap your hands and shout unto God. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. I can tell you today that there are people who experience parts of Pentecost, but do not live with the benefits of a Pentecost that is fully come. I said they're not living with the Pentecost that is fully come. These were not just parties to them, not just celebrations. These were not just symbolic days on a calendar. This was their life experience. This was integral to the presence of God. This was necessary to how they lived their lives. These were not just celebratory days. Oh, hallelujah. These feast days were not something that man came up with. This was God's idea. Oh, hallelujah. I said, this was God's idea. He's the one that told them, on this day do this, on on this day do that. And they'd been doing it for a very long time and following it the way it was supposed to be followed. And it it was a familiar and powerful pattern of their lives. Survival demanded that they and their children learn to live life this way. Keeping covenant with God was necessary for their survival. Oh, hallelujah. You say, well, what does that mean? You said that people just died? No, I'm not saying they died physically. I'm saying spiritually relationally with their God, they had to get these things right. They had to get them right. Oh, hallelujah. If they wanted the blessing of God upon the totality of their crop, they would have to break off the first, the first of the barley and wave it unto the Lord. And that would signify that God was now going to bless the entirety of the crop unto harvest. And if the harvest was going to reach its completion, and that meaning it was going to be turned into nourishment that they could survive off of, they were going to have to wave the barley loaves before the Lord because that was symbolic that everything that was stored up in their barns was not going to rot and not go to waste and not be consumed by a fire or stolen by an enemy. But the blessings of God were going to be upon it because they gave it to God at first. This wasn't just some sort of party that they had a few times a year. This was how they lived their lives. Commitment 
was required. And you hear me tonight. Commitment is still required. Commitment is still required. A sold out dedication and all in faithfulness is still required. Oh, hallelujah of the Lord. Because it is possible to have been around Pentecost, to have witnessed Pentecost, to be partially experienced with Pentecost, but for Pentecost to not fully come in your life. Jerusalem was full of people who showed up to just celebrate Pentecost. Amen. Jerusalem was full of people at the Feast of Pentecost that did not live around there, who had traveled a great distance just to be there. But not all of them had any role at all in the planting. Oh, hallelujah. In uh, the care of the field, in the keeping away of the animals. Oh, hallelujah. In the harvest, in the breaking down, in the baking of. All of them didn't have anything to do with all of that. Some just purchased the finished product and ate it, touching it for the first time right before they ingested it. The question becomes, are we simply feeding off of what others have brought? Are we simply feeding off of what others have worked hard for? of what others have put in the time and the energy and the the faithfulness and the sacrifice. There's a vast difference between growing food, bringing it into your home, preparing it for use, mixing the correct ingredients, cooking it the correct amount of time, serving it and eating it and cleaning up after you're done. There's a big difference between that and going to McDonald's. I'm not preaching against McDonald's. Although I could. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying tonight. There is a vast difference between those that have put in the time and the energy and the work and those who are just eating what someone else has done. Those who were connected to Pentecost since Passover. Hallelujah. Those that have been dialed in since Passover. Those that have been focused since Passover. Remember, they saw this as one event. This weeks, uh, this 50 days. uh, This was all seen as one event. It wasn't just Pentecost. It was everything involved with Pentecost. It was everything required of Pentecost. I'm talking about, if you'll understand it, let me say it this way. I'm talking about that there was hundreds of people that heard Jesus say, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. But there was only 120 people that actually found their way to an upper room. 
You say, where all the where did all the hundreds go that saw him ascend into heaven? Where did they go that heard him say, go into Jerusalem? I don't know where they went. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what distracted them or what was higher priority on their list than that. But somehow there was only 120 left when the day of Pentecost finally came around. I'm talking about some people who understand that I'm going to stick around. Amen. Passover all the way to Pentecost. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to keep acting in faith. Every day I got to go out and check the field again. Every day I got to go out and put out the work. I got to rise with the sun and go down with the same. I got to be diligent. I got to be steadfast. I got to be unmovable. I got to keep doing the work that God has called me to do. Why? Why are you doing so much about this? Why are you so diligent about this? Because I'm looking for a Pentecost. Because I'm looking for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost because I'm looking for souls to be saved oh come on apostolic Pentecostal we're living a day and hour we gotta fall in love with the idea of having another Pentecost every Sunday we gotta fall in love with the idea you say why'd you show up amen to this and why you praying every day and why you putting the fasting in and why you studying the word and doing the witnessing why you making yourself so busy for the cause of Christ I'll tell you why I'm hungry for another Pentecost I'm hungry for another Pentecost. I want to wave the bread in the air and I want to say we made it we're here God we did everything we can do now pour out your spirit upon all flesh hallelujah hallelujah we need we need a Pentecost every day 3,120 people we're saved on the day of Pentecost. How many days do we need to reach this region? How many Pentecost? How many? It can't wait till once a year. It can't wait till once a year. It can't even wait till once a week. Oh, hallelujah. Halomoko satalama. I'm saying we need a Pentecost every day. We need a Pentecost every day. Hey Amen. This is what we're, we've been trying to get across. This is what we're trying to get people to buy into. This is why we're talking about our homes as places of worship and church houses in our neighborhoods uh, because we're not going to have enough time sitting in this room to have a Pentecost once a Sunday and reach the world for Jesus Christ. Uh, you got to have people being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost uh, in your living room. You got to have people. We got to get to the place where the apostolics rise up and say, I woke up today hungry for a Pentecost. I woke up today hungry for another Pentecost. I know it's Tuesday and I got to get the kids to school and I got to get work and I got to prepare a meal and I got to do all this stuff. But in the midst of all of that, I got to have me a Pentecost. I got to make a difference in someone's life today. I got to see something of eternal value come to pass in some lost soul. Oh, hallelujah. There was a difference between those who were connected to Pentecost since Passover and those who just showed up for the party. One of the reasons why people struggle with Pentecost 
is the preparation. The preparation requires personal involvement. Amen. Thank God for social media. Thank God that I can be scrolling through Facebook and see the church's Pentecost Sunday ad and I can click share and and feel like I did something. And we want you to do that because you are doing something. But that's not all it takes to prepare for Pentecost. That's not all it takes to prepare for Pentecost. The two who received the Holy Ghost today didn't just show up today. Oh, hallelujah. They've both been around for a little while now. One of them is in a Bible study. One of them has been worked with someone on one. They didn't just walk in the door today. Because there's some time and effort that has to be put in. Because there's some preparation to make ready for Pentecost. Jesus didn't even say, just go and see what happens. He said, now you need to go to Jerusalem. And you need to find an upper room. And you need to get into that upper room. And you need to wait for the promise of the Father. And they understood what that meant. That they needed to get someplace. And they need to put into practice the things that he had taught them. They needed to get in that room and pray. They needed to get in that room and focus. They needed to get in that room and become united. They needed to get in that room and remember him saying, what, could you not watch with me for one hour? They got to get in that room and remember the words he said when they said, teach us how to pray. And he gave them a pattern for prayer. They needed to put that into action. And they needed to do that until... When? When God said, now. When God said, now. Study the turn of the century. Study in the 1900s. Study the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Topeka, Kansas and Azusa Street. Study it and look into the history of it. Uh, You're not going to see a bunch of people who just showed up one day and thought, hey, let's just, uh, hey, why don't we go over here and sing a couple songs and see what what happened. You're going to see the culmination of people who were studying and people who were praying and people who were hungry and people who were asking God, what do we need to do? Uh, What should we do? Uh, And that we're giving themselves uh, Faithfully, oh hallelujah, sacrificially under this desire that they had inside of them to experience something that they had never experienced before, to experience something that the Bible said, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But none of them even knew what that really meant or how it was going to happen. But oh, when they started planning for it, and oh, when they started preparing for it, and oh, when they started praying for it, then Pentecost showed up. If Pentecost is about showing up and God just doing everything, you will remain at a distance that will discourage growth and power. We have to get our hands in the dirt and plant something with roots. We've got to carry the daily burden of needing a successful crop, of needing. Hallelujah.
I feel like in these last days there's going to become a revival of need. And what I mean by that is is we're, gonna, we're not going to look so much as just how it's nice once in a while when someone gets baptized. And oh, it's, it's nice once in a while when someone gets the Holy Ghost, but I need somebody to get baptized. Somebody needs to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Their crop wasn't just something fun to look at and play with. Their crop was a necessity in their life. They had to have a harvest. The church must have a harvest. You say, well, this looks pretty good. We got a nice little group, got a good little thing going here, and I'm thankful for everything we had, but we didn't always have this. Amen? We didn't always have this, and we have it now, but we can't settle here. We can't be satisfied with this. I know this may be more than what we used to have, but it's nothing compared to what we should have. I know it may be more than what we've experienced in the past, but it's nothing compared to what we can experience in the future. The church needs a Pentecost. When a generation dies, what happens if no June generation comes up? When one generation of workers and sacrificial committed people walk off the scene, is there going to be another generation of committed and sacrificial people that say, I need a Pentecost. We need more. We need to reach more. We got to make a bigger impact on the world. Oh, hallelujah. We got to carry the daily burden of needing the successful crop. We need to know that the work that goes in in the field of harvest, we need to be connected to that work. Not just so that others can be saved, although that's what the harvest is all about, but also for us. Because there's more to Pentecost than just speaking in tongues. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 9, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered as sheep having no shepherd. It moved Jesus to compassion. I want you to notice, first of all, that the one who was healing all sickness and delivering them from all diseases, the one who was doing all of the miracles, was still moved by compassion for those who were lost. He was moved by compassion even while he was raising the dead. He was moved with compassion even while he was feeding the 5,000 and opening up the blinded eyes and all of those things that he was doing. He was still moved by compassion, not only for the people standing in front of him listening, but for the people walking by in the background, not paying any attention. He says they are like sheep without a shepherd. And it moved him to compassion because they fainted and scattered abroad. And then upon that, seeing that in that environment, he says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers, the laborers, yes, yes, that's, if you didn't know, that's what we are. That's what we're supposed to be. 
You see, there's a Pentecost that's just attendees. And then there's a fullness of Pentecost that is laborers. There's a Pentecost of people who just walk in and enjoy it once in a while. And then there's Pentecost fully come in people who see themselves as laborers in the harvest. I'm not just a church attender. I'm a laborer in the harvest. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not just a consumer. Hey, man, I got my hands in the harvest. Uh, I'm not just one come showing up for the cupcake. Uh, I've got my hands uh, in the harvest. Uh, the church uh, in these last days uh, needs to grab a hold of an old revelation that I'm not just a saint in a church, uh, but I am a laborer in the harvest. Pentecost. Is fully come in your life when you see yourself as a worker. Mm. He said the harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There are some things in God that can only come into a person's life that has both waved the first fruit of barley and waved the finished product of the bread before the Lord. There are some things you can only do in God when you were part of Passover and Pentecost. There are some things you can only do, some ministries you can only fulfill, some anointings you can only have when you have been faithful and steadfast to where you held up the first of the barley, the barley, but then you also held up the first of the loaves and you waved it before the Lord. It is significant that Pentecost was fully come, fully come. The 120 that were in that upper room were ready for something special, something dynamic, something life-changing, something worth putting everything else on hold, something worth skipping out on the party that was happening in the city streets and staying in that upper room until God showed up. Staying in prayer until God showed up. Staying hungry until God showed up to fill them. Staying ready, anticipating, excited, expectation that God was about to do something powerful. They were prepared and they were personally involved in Pentecost. They were personally involved in it. For the 120, it was even more clear that their Pentecost was fully come because the Bible says they were all with one accord in one place. Now, technically speaking, getting in the one place was not too difficult. Although there were several hundred that somehow couldn't seem to make it. But technically speaking, humanly speaking, the one place is just a location. 
It's just being in the right location. Oh, hallelujah. I thank God for faithful people. I thank God for people who look at a church and say, this is my church. Amen. I thank God for that. I thank God for people that will stick it out. And not just roam around to wherever the more fun experience seems to be. Not just hop around to wherever they may have some friends or whatever's going on or whoever seems to be having the party. I thank God for faithful people that'll just find a location and just say, this, this is my place. God called me here. But the reality of it is, that's not the harder part of what was expected of them. It was the in one accord that was really the dynamic difference maker. It was in the one accord, which means unanimously, which means unity of mind. Oh, hallelujah. It's a unity on a deep level. We live in the age of shallow unity. In fact, I don't even really know that unity is the right word for what we have today. We live in an age of shallow group making where people just jump in and say, sure, I'll do what you're doing. I'll protest what you're protesting. I'll scream what you're screaming. I'll go where you go. I'll dress the way you dress. I'll look the way you look. It's an age of shallow unity. But what they had was the opposite of that. What they had was not just a unity of location, but a unity of being, a unity of purpose. They were all there for the same reason. Oh, hallelujah. I said they were all there for the same reason. And I'll remind you that they don't know exactly what is going to happen. We know more, way more, about what was going to happen and did happen than they ever had a clue when they were doing it. And yet, even with that, they found a unity. They came into one mind and one accord. They got into a unity together where they were like, look, whatever God wants to do, let him have his way. Maybe he's just going to do something for you. Maybe he's just going to do something for you. Or maybe he's going to do something for all of us. Maybe you're going to be the one that gets to do this. Maybe you're the one that gets to do this. But it doesn't make any difference because we're all here together and we all want to see what God has in store for us. I'm talking about getting in unity in one mind and one accord so that God doesn't have to mess around with our battles and our humanity and our flesh and our ignorance and our mental games and our little spats and our little disagreements and our little look downs. But no, we're in one mind and one accord. You say, is that impossible? It's only impossible if God's 
God's not involved. But if God's involved and there are hungry people that have been hanging on since Passover, then anything is possible. If there's hungry people have left everything else behind and got in an upper room, then anything is possible. If there's hungry people who have dedicated themselves to prayer and seeking the Lord, then anything is possible. And one mind and one accord is what brought about a fully come Pentecost. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church in these last days, I personally believe the church is going to have to mimic and show and be, not just pretend to be, but be so much like the book of Acts church was. Oh, hallelujah. It's not going to work if there's only certain people who are teaching the Bible studies. Oh, come on. We had fun this morning. It's not going to work if we got people thinking that, oh, it's their job to do that, and it's their job to do that, and it's their job to do that, and, and I, you know, I just, I'll just do this thing. This is an all-hands-on-deck type of situation. This is an all-hands-in-the-harvest type of situation. This is the sun is setting on the last day, and there's still a ripe harvest in the field that's got to get in the storehouse. And so everybody, I said everybody, has got to get in one mind and one accord and say, I'm not going to sit around and just see what my specialist activity is, but I'm going to get in this thing and give it everything I got and do everything God wants me to do and try everything I can try and pray every prayer I can pray and be a part of everything I can be a part of because I need a Pentecost. Because we need a Pentecost. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most of us come here every Sunday to this one place. This one place is a part of our lives. This one place is very important. Many, many, many are here multiple times a week. In this one place, this one place, this one place. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God. But we got to come in one accord. Because being in one place is not enough to bring about the Pentecost. You also have the one mind and one accord is necessary for it to come to pass, for it to fully come. It needs to fully come. You can come into one accord to become in unity in our faith and our desire to see God's will come to pass. We will witness the power of Pentecost. We will witness the power of Pentecost. We will participate in the miraculous. I didn't say we will watch the miraculous. 
I said we will participate in the miraculous. Isn't there a hunger inside of you for you to lay your hand on a sick person and they recover? I enjoy as much as the next person to watch somebody pray with somebody and for it to be effective. But isn't there a desire in your heart to lay your hand and to pray in effective? It's awesome to hear the testimonies. I love testimonies of Bible studies that are taking place. And I love testimonies of witness that's gone forth. And I love, I love, I love the look on somebody's face that has reached out and has witnessed and has connected and has taught a Bible study and there they are standing in an altar next to that person that they've been discipling as that person begins to speak in other tongues or they stand beside the tank when the person goes down in Jesus name I love to look on the face of the one being baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost but I also love looking on the face of the one who went into the harvest field and got him and pull them, the Bible says, as if they were pulling them out of the flames of the fire. I love to look on that face too. And don't you, don't you want to experience that experience? Don't you want to feel that? You say, well, preacher, I felt it before, but don't you yearn to feel it again? Don't, isn't there something burning inside of you to teach another Bible study, to share your testimony, to see a light go on in someone's life when they finally get the revelation of one God in Christ? Isn't there something inside of you that desires to actually be a part to hands in the harvest. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Tonight, I believe that God wants Pentecost to fully come in all of our lives. But we might have to surrender some things that are keeping us a little bit distant. We might have to surrender some things that are keeping us on the outside of the harvest field just kind of cheering on the others that are doing it. We might have to reprioritize, reprioritize our lives a little bit. We might have to say, here it is, God, and I'm, I'm waving my life towards the altar first. I'm waving my time towards the altar first. I'm putting myself, hallelujah, I'm the sacrifice and I'm waving myself towards the altar first before I wave it back. I'm putting my life in your hands first so that you can give me my life as it should be back unto me. Stand with me if you would, please. Will we all actively involve ourselves in the entirety of God's plan? Can we come into one accord with the Lord and each other? A new 
something powerful was going to happen today because the devil was messing around before service even started. We knew something special was going to happen today because the devil was messing with people, trying to get them to not come, and even ones that got here trying to get them to somehow. It's always easy to know when God's trying to do something special. Because spirits get involved and flesh gets involved. But we got in tune enough for a little while. (laughs) In this altar for a few moments there this morning. We had one mind and one accord. And Pentecost showed up. I'm just pastoring a little bit tonight time church was over there was other some other nonsense going on some other things that'll have to be dealt with welcome to life and humanity but I'm telling you there's something every apostolic Pentecostal needs to go through your mind when you feel yourself getting sucked into the distractions or when you feel yourself getting pulled into the nonsense or when you yourself are being tempted to be the nonsense. There's something that needs to go through your mind. There has to be one mind and one accord for Pentecost to fully come. God, I don't ever want to be the reason why somebody can't get the Holy Ghost. I don't want to ever be the reason why somebody is distracted or upset or not even showing up. I don't want to ever be the stumbling block for someone that needs to get closer to Jesus. I want to be in the middle of it with my hands in the harvest surrounded by other people who are in one mind and one accord because we need another Pentecost. Lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord if you would, please. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week.